0: Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know. and We'll catch you next time. All right, good morning. How are you all doing? All right? Well, um, you might remember last summer... um, Jill and I talked um, together and talked a little bit about marriage. And we got um, some good feedback, I think mostly because they, I think the ladies just like to hear from my wife more than anything. So um, we thought um, this summer we do, and we need two weeks to do it, um, about and talk about the topic of parenting. And so we have a little video here to kind of look at life before kids and life after kids. So watch that. No, him and I have
1: talked. We don't want to be one of those parents that just gives them like a phone. They won't have phones so they can drive. Yeah, we're gonna raise them right. Good to kids. Mommy, charge the iPad. The wiggles are your parents now. Honey, I'll be back in a little bit. Please don't come upstairs. I've gotta do a little poop. Okay? Thanks. Oh, this is the only place I have peace and quiet. Mommy!
0: Was...
1: <gasps> Jamison, get out of here. Mo- this is mommy's time. Hey, Smells in here. Get out. Babe, I'm sorry. I'm just like so tired. I almost feel sick. You know what I'm talking about? I only slept like five and a half hours last night. Oh, hey, babe, guess what? Who just slept for five hours straight? <laughs> I feel amazing, oh my god! <gasps> honey, honey, we slept till 11 a.m. today. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Let's just stay in bed, breakfast in bed, to run a movie. Oh. Mom! Oh, Mom! Oh my Mom! Guys, how'd you mine. get me? What, what is that? What, what do you have? I found a lizard! Don't bring that in there! <laughs> Mom, so let's play. Let's, so play! let's play! So- oh, I feel like all I do is laundry. <laughs> the two of us, it's just, it's a lot. Two people's a lot of laundry. <laughs> so I think I'm just gonna live in here, you know, just sleep right there, maybe you could warm up my food in the dry <laughs> yes, air. I'm going to run some errands. i only have an hour, though, so I'm going to try to hit post office bank, Target, maybe car wash. <laughs> busy, busy. <laughs> uh, three-hour Walmart trip. <laughs> it took forever because your son kept licking the floor. He said it tasted like fire beans. What? If, I don't even know.
0: All right. So I think a lot of you can relate, especially at... Um before kids sleep until 11 o'clock, when was the last time? Those of you that have parents that have done that, you know?
2: Um, so, we're gonna be speaking for two weeks, and um, we really hope that this is for everybody because um, if you have children or you don't have children, if you're single, um, because we, we really wanted to uh, title this talk, Parenting from a Retro View or from a Rear View, because we wish that we had done some of these things before we had children. But it will be for you all who have young children and teens and college kids and
0: even grandparents. Yeah, and that's just a stage we just entered. Um, let me see if I can. Oh, no. Good. Hold on. So this is um, we've just entered the grandparent age. Um, so this is our little Emerson. It's almost two years old. So that's last weekend we're with her. So um, it's interesting now that we're grandparents is kind of going back into that role of, of being able to speak into and influence our even our grandkids. So, um, you know, I think that's if you're in that grandparent age, there's a lot that you can still influence, and even.
2: And even if you're an aunt or an uncle or you are a mentor, if you have some person, a child in your life that you are trying to influence, you hope that you'll
0: get something out of it. So this is just a little background on our family. So this is. I guess 23 years ago. Um, I'm not sure. We have three girls, Abby, Alyssa, and Avery. Uh, This is when Avery was born 23 years ago. I'm not sure about Alyssa's, uh, what, I don't know if she was heavy or what, but she's not in a good mood here, I don't think. A few
2: days after we got her from the hospital, she came downstairs and she said, Mom, can we send her back?
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then this is, I don't know, this is the Galleria Mall years ago at Christmas time with the three of them. Uh, so we can remember those young days of, um, yeah, yeah. And then this is last Christmas actually. Uh, our family now we've added, um, uh, we've had two son in laws um, join uh, Ronnie and Mickey, and just uh, been really blessed with our family.
2: Yes, and and you know what's so funny? You guys probably can relate to this. So thirty years ago when we had our first child, Abby, I. Uh, I can still remember that nurse putting her in the car seat, showing me how to use the car seat, putting her then in the car and waiting goodbye. And I can remember feeling panicked, like, I have no credentials. I, I, I've had a parent, but I'm not really a parent. And so, um, I don't know, at that point, we realized that we were responsible for a human being and for molding and shaping her life.
0: But I think one of the things, uh, I think, as young parents... Um, and even before we got married as singles, um, you know, we were very involved in a lot of um, uh, student ministries and, and children's ministries. So um, we got to observe a lot of parents. And uh, I was in Pennsylvania. She was in New Jersey before we got married. So she was involved in Young Life, and, and I helped at our church. And uh, it was good. We were like sponges to kind of watch and see examples and sponges of parenting and some good examples and then we saw some not so good examples so if y'all know kyle gray he's here Hillside, but
2: he also now is part of working but his, his parents they were our pastors in pennsylvania and they did a great job we would watch them that's if,
0: debatable i think if you know kyle we're <laughs> just like
2: yeah, kyle is great no we and can't. his brothers too and his parents did a great job and then when we moved here to Penn uh, to texas we we had the beauty of having the Wakefields and the Duffs here, and to see how they parented their children, and watching them, they were a step ahead with the ages of their kids, and even now, watching them as grandparents and how their children serve in this church.
0: And I remember, you know, um, they were in the first service, um, Stephen Lisa Waters. When I I was the first, well, I was the youth pastor here 20 21 years ago, and um, I remember. Their three boys um, being in our student ministry, and really got a lot of watching how Steve and Lisa raised their their boys and so forth. So they had a major impact on us, I think, as yeah. well as we looked at other. Things.
2: And we both did come from homes where we had great parents, so that that was a blessing. But um, the first thing, a few things that we noticed, I'd like to share is that children were a welcomed addition, meaning the mom and dad were already a family themselves. They didn't make their kids um, the center of their family. They were just an addition to their family. And a book that we read back when we had children early on by Dr. Kevin Lehman, bringing kids up without tearing them down, there was a saying that he said in there that was, don't let the tail wag the dog, which is don't let your child like control your whole family. And so that was a good motto.
0: So we observed that. that in a lot of the parents. Um, another thing we observed, it was interesting. the fewer rules, the better. And we took notice about how many kids were on restrictions or were grounded, and the kids kept seeing to be seemed to be staying on restrictions and never got really any better. They only found ways to kind of get around those restrictions. And we'll kind of talk about that more, but it was interesting to just note that that it seemed like the kids from families that had less rules were um, a lot less um, breaking the rules, if I could say that.
2: And another thing we noticed that parents weren't afraid of their children. They weren't afraid um, how their children were gonna respond. They didn't fear rejection. And you know, sometimes we see that, that parents are afraid of their kids. And. You know, it's okay for your kids not to like you for a season. Actually, I can remember going through a season that I loved one of my kids a lot, but I didn't necessarily like her. I mean, that happens. You know what I mean? So not to be scared um, to have boundaries and carry through those disciplines that that you expected of them. We'll talk about that more probably next week.
0: Yeah, and just another thing that we'll talk a lot about today, um, but in their homes we noted that relationships were paramount. In other words, I love this phrase that Josh McDowell has said, um, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And so it was really interesting that these families really prioritized the relationship in the family over experience, and experience being like um, how many kids you, or how many things you think you need your kid to get in, involved in so they don't FOMO, fear of missing out. You know? Um, So, you know, those families we noted knew that the family relationship together is important. Uh, Is probably more important than having so many things that you see a lot of times. And we did it as young parents, dividing and conquering. And you're out every night of the week or every weekend kind of dividing. And um, you never got an opportunity relationally as a family together to have a meal together, to uh, have a game night together. And a lot of times that's when you have a lot of spiritual conversations together. So we just saw that as a prime prime thing or prime and, and importance. And I
2: had a neighbor actually uh, loved her to death, but I would see her flying by my house really five days a week at four o'clock and she would get home at eight o'clock at night. And she would say, you know, that she picked up fast food every day because she was just dropping her kids off and so many things. And I think I felt when I first moved here that Texas culture of, oh, I got to get my kids involved in stuff. And um, Abby started dance at four and she made the Indianettes. Well, Avery started dance in eighth grade and she made the Indianettes, so it all worked out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, the other thing I think I had to learn a lot uh, and watched these families, but I watched a lot of parents discover their own children's interests rather than forcing kind of what came naturally, especially to me. I'll never forget my oldest, Abby. Um, I had to have her signed up for softball. You know, I had to have her play softball. And uh, it was not a good experience. I mean, she... She didn't
2: like to sweat.
0: She didn't like to sweat. Um, you know, she'd be in right field. A butterfly would go by, and she'd start going after the butterfly. And just we just realized, even though that was a very big interest for me, you can't force that onto your child. Piano
2: lessons for me. I wanted my children to have piano lessons, because I had piano lessons, and I love the piano, and I love to play, but... Eventually, so something
0: they learned, I mean, they loved dance and music. So I just had to go with the flow and Dave that learned was what
2: pirouettes. He was very good. You didn't have to pirouettes. really didn't have to mention that. At bath honestly. time. Dave you know? is great at pirouettes. Yeah.
0: Thanks. All right. And let's move on. Um, the other thing, the next thing we really saw in a lot of these. Oh, yes.
2: were the healthy, the healthy families were the marriages that were healthy. And we talked a lot about that last year. Um, We talked about how, you know, marriage is beautiful, but it does take a lot of work, and you have to be selfless a lot of the times and not um, be selfish and to drop that rope of selfishness. And so um, just to say that statistics show that parents raising children under one roof really is the ideal, and your kids need to see that and aim for it, but it's not always possible.
0: Yeah, and when that doesn't happen, you you know, usually women and children pay the highest price for that. But, you know, we understand that divorce is something that is unavoidable, you know. But it does impact, it does impact your children. But, you know, we'll share next week um, some. But we have stories in this church of single moms and single dads that are just have raised and are raising awesome kids. And um, we'll talk more about that is because they... I guess um, how you say it, they have a village assisting them in this parent, in their parenting. So, and again, we'll talk more about that. Sometimes that's unavoidable, but again, you need help if you're a single parent and a single mom. Sometimes um, you just can't keep that, that nucleus Tons of the family. That's of prayer. Tons yeah. Of prayer. Lastly, what we learned watching these parents is summed up in a statement. Um, we listen and uh, read a lot of books by Andy Stanley. He's a pastor in Atlanta. But he makes this statement which i think is is one of the themes we want to have these next two weeks and it says um, your behavior as a parent not your words or advice will determine whether or not your children will want to be like you or even hang out with you in the future
2: so our behavior as a parent really is watched 24 7. so the way we treat each other the way we talk to each other Is our faith sincere or is it just a Sunday morning thing that we show up for church and that that's our only God time? Or do we really have an authentic relationship with Christ? How much alcohol do we drink? Do we live our lives with integrity? Do we serve other people? Our kids are watching really everything. So it really is our behavior, the way we walk our talk more than our talk talks.
0: And I think that kind of leads into, um, I think it's important as parents, and I, I don't know if we did this sometimes or, or did. I mean, we did, but it's good to develop a goal for your parenting. In other words, you got 18 years maybe to form and develop this child. Um, you want to step back in the hustle and bustle of things. What do they say? Uh, parenting is, um, is is a long life, but goes by so quickly, you know? Parenting has long days, but long...
2: Yeah, the, the days are long, the, but the years are short. The days are
0: long, but the years are short. And you can get so wrapped up in the in the days being long that you don't step back and say, what do we really want to do as parents and, and and set up goals for it?
2: Yeah, and these are good goals. These aren't bad goals. Like, it's it's good as parents that we want our children to grow up and get a good job, be responsible, something that pays well. We want to give our kids opportunities, we want them to live in a nice neighborhood, in a safe neighborhood. We want to give them a good education, and we do want to save and build for that college.
0: Yeah, fund. and I, I talk to a lot of parents, which is good that they build a college fund for them when their kids go off to college, which is pretty important nowadays, but I think you also have to step back and kind of say, am I, what am I doing to spiritually get them ready to enter college? Because statistics show that 75% of college students leave their faith after going to college. So you have to just say, why is that? And I think, you know, we know that many times, um, you know, they, they didn't really have their own faith. They had their parents' faith. And I think the goal for them as they go off is making their parents' faith a personal faith. So being able to invest in that time and preparing them to go off to college is so important. Um, probably that Next one about, you know, I think that was one of the things Jill and I really tried to focus and goal was to love, have our kids love God and love others. Um, We'll look at this more next week in Ephesians 6. But, you know, you got to think about how are you discipling your children? Um, Is your goal to have them memorize verses or do you put that kind of off on the church or your Christian school or um, that type of thing? But that is a real focus on how do you get them to think about loving God and loving others.
2: So I I do think having goals as parents is important. It's great if we can state it. Again, Pastor Andy and Deborah Stanley, they had two goals that they shared that I thought was really good, that when their kids were old enough to choose for themselves, that they would love hanging out with each other and love hanging out with them. And they set these goals really to influence their life so that when their children grew up and even when they were older, that they would still have their children's ears to hear about Christ and to model Christ's behavior.
0: Because again, we're going back to that statement, our model behavior is more important than our words. So again, I don't know if Jill and I you know, really sat down, but I think it's important as parents to sit down and think about, and some of those goals may be different pr- based upon the child, um, but I think it's good to say what are we trying to do that because I think that helps then set the priorities uh, of, of where you want to go with your kids.
2: So what we learned by observing these healthy families and parents is We, first of all, before we had children, we thought we were experts at parenting. But then after we had kids, we realized we really weren't experts. But um, hopefully those things helped you. Um, Also, looking at the Bible, and what does the Bible say about parenting?
0: And good examples. The problem is um, we really don't have very good examples of parenting in the Bible. I mean, you look at the Old Testament, there's a lot of examples of dysfunctional families. I mean, you go back all the way to Adam and Eve and them making that decision and, and having sin enter into mankind, and they, then they both blame each other. And then their first two children, Cain and Abel, Cain gets jealous of Abel and murders Abel. Then you go on and you see the dysfunctional family with Jacob and Esau. Then you go to Joseph and his brothers um, you just get time and other, other stories that you can read through the Old Testament that we sometimes don't even. Then King David, and you understand about him and his one son uh, Absalom tries to take the kingdom from him. Um, then Solomon, again, uh, his kingdom gets divided between one of his sons and, and, and the other, uh, other person. So we really don't have real good examples in the Old Testament of a functional family. I mean, we get the law that tells us that. Then you get to the New Testament. And you have Jesus' brothers and sisters really didn't understand Jesus and didn't understand his purpose. So they wanted him to, okay, if you're the Messiah, let's set up the kingdom. Let's overthrow the Romans and let's set up the kingdom. And it wasn't really until they saw the risen Jesus that they really got on board and a light bulb went off and said, oh, now we understand. And you really, if you look, read what Jesus taught and said, he doesn't talk about Parenting very much, but so there's not a lot that we can get from there. But Jesus didn't really talk about uh, parenting, but he had he laid a great foundation of just New Testament behavior. And you know, remember when Jesus was asked, um, "What is the greatest law in in the in, in the in the law? What is the greatest law. And he said, you know, love the you, Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and, your, and all your mind. And the second is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you remember that. But then right before, the night before he goes to the cross, he's with his disciples in the Lord's Supper. And he actually makes this statement, John thirteen thirty four. And he says, a new command I give you, right, which is a radical statement for these, 11, these 12 Jewish disciples, for him to say a new command. Because that's saying, hey, I got, there's a whole other level here of really what the command I want to give you above the Jewish law. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. So he starts making that statement. And I and. Wherever you are in your faith journey today, you're here, um, whether you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior or not, just reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how Jesus loved will, will help you um, live a better life. You know, looking at what Jesus said and did, you know, will make you a better person. And for these two weeks, when you look at how Jesus loved, it'll make you a better parent as well.
2: So then the apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, he had he gave us a lot of application. And so if you look at a lot of his letters he talks about loving one another, forgiving one another, honoring one another, and all of these things were really showing Jesus and showing his love. And the mo- the most famous uh, chapter in our New Testament about love is First Corinthians chapter 13. And a lot of times we hear that quoted in weddings, but Jesus really loved all relationships. And so all of these principles that Jesus has for us really does go into our parenting and into our marriages and things like that. So let's start at verse 4 in First Corinthians chapter 13. And it says, love is patience.
0: Yeah, and you got to say, I don't know, I groaned when I saw that because… As a parent, I think the one of the things you struggle the most is patience for me. You know what I mean? Um,
2: Dave actually is very patient, I must say. He is patient with me, and he's very patient with our girls. As a matter of fact, growing up, my neighbor across the street used to observe through her window all the time, Dave is always playing soccer with the kids before he puts them on the bus. He is just so patient. And then one day she called me after she saw Dave working on one of our girls' bicycles, because Dave is very patient with people, but when things don't work right, or he can't find his razor or his brush or something, he, he's not real happy with that. So this one particular day, he was working on one of the girls' bikes. I guess the chain fell off, and he must have gotten really frustrated because he picked up that bike and he threw it into the bushes. <laughs> and so my neighbor called me to say, what's going on with Dave? I just saw him throw a bike in a bush, you know. So.
0: so it's not. I don't. You know, it's one of the things. But when you think of it as a parent, thanks for sharing that. Um, you think of it as a parent and what it means to be patient. You know, I go back now to my granddaughter who's two, um, and almost. almost two. And um, you know, I have to slow down and go at Emerson's pace. Does that make sense? Like, we'll go and take a little walk down the sidewalk, and she wants to stop and smell all the flowers. She wants to go see the dog, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, as a parent, um, you really have to move at your child's pace. And a lot of times we separate ourselves from our children sometime when we want to go at our pace. Um, We'll look at this, you know, this verse next week, but there's a verse that Paul does where it says fathers do not exasperate your children. And you look at what exasperate kind of means. It's kind of like don't move so fast that if you do, they'll get discouraged because they can't stay up with you. Um, And let me just speak to the dads here related to that, that sometimes, um, you know, you may feel like you need to push your kids and push your kids and get ahead of them. Um, And and you have to just ask the question, is that because – they might not turn out the way you want them to be, going back to my uh, softball example, you know? And is that really what you want? Because deep down, um, don't you want your child to find out their plan and ultimately God's plan for their life?
2: And this last week, uh, I know probably a lot of you were watching the Olympics. It was so it was really beautiful, some of these stories. And so one of the ones that really touched Dave in my heart was the Sunni Lee story, and so... Um, I
0: saw another interview that um, the guy, a guy asked him, asked the father, say, how do you raise an Olympic champion? And it was interesting, his comment, because he said, you know, I just try to encourage her, one. And secondly, it was all her. And I think when you step back and think about that, as you can sometimes push our kids and push, their, push our kids it's, it's interesting to note two things is that, um, A, she's gotta love it. And she has to have a God-given ability that just starts rising to the top. And then you just wanna fan that flame and encourage them. Um, and so I think, <clears throat> you know, I think you just have to watch how much you're living your child's dream versus them living their dream. And so I know, You know, it's different nowadays, but when I was growing up and starting to play little league and teener league and high school and college ball and starting to think about, well, it would be great to play professional ball, um, my dad made one statement to me in high school that I'll never forget, but it was so simple, and he just said, son, if you can hit, you'll play. Now, that might not mean much to you guys, but from a baseball standpoint, he said, if you're good enough, you'll be seen. And I know it's different nowadays because you have these select things. You've got to be seen and so forth. But I think as a parent, you've got to watch how much, you know, your child is living your, their, your dream or do they really have some God-given ability plus they want it bad too. And so I just think you have to watch that and just look at it.
2: It, it, I do think it is easy to focus on our kids' performance, because that's just easy to say, you're so good at that, you're so good at that, rather than who they are, not what they do, but who they are, and we really do want their identity to be in Christ, not to be in what they do. And I think that that is really hard as a parent. But studies do show that the number one predictor of relational and professional success in adults is actually our self-awareness. And um, the emotional quotient studies show that the biggest influence of self-awareness comes from our homes. And so as a parent, we really do need to ask ourselves, is this something that we want for them? Or is it something that that God's given them a talent for that I should fan the flame for them? And all of that.
0: So related to this from a love is patient, from a from a parenting standpoint, I think you just have to step back and are we rushing our kids? Are we getting ahead of them? And um, what would it require of you to adjust your pace there when you think about that?
2: So then the second thing is love is kind. And sometimes we hear that word kind and we think it's always really soft, that unkindness is weakness. But actually unkindness shows a lack of self-control. And kindness is choosing to loan someone our strength when um, instead of reminding them, of their weakness. And I think children need to be reminded um, so much that um, not of their weakness, but to give them our strength because this world really can make them feel really bad about themselves. And so finding a way in kindness to side with them um, when you're having to sometimes be And
0: I know, I think Jill mentioned this earlier about one of the best books we read by Kevin Lehman was that bringing up kids without tearing them down because one of the big principles related to discipline and and kindness related to that, especially as our kids got older, was this concept of reality discipline. In other words, how do you respond when your child uh, does something wrong, Um, anger or uh, frustration, Uh, And as your kids get older, I think there's a part where you let reality discipline your children rather than you bailing them out all the time. Does that make sense?
2: I remember I was in a Bible study once, and this sweet mama, every Wednesday, she would get a text from her child saying they forgot their lunch. And every week, she would leave early from Bible study to go pick up lunch and take it to her child. I mean, we're talking week after week, and I used to think, I bet if she didn't bring lunch to her child one time, maybe he wouldn't forget it. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I remember just thinking about reality discipline when our youngest uh, first got her driver's license. Um, I remember it must have been a month or two in and she gets her first ticket. And, um, and so, um, you know, again, how I respond to that is really important because I know my insurance is going up now. You know, um, I'm going to have costs to it. Um, but what was interesting is I was able to control my temper and, and really spent the time walking alongside her. And when your kids do that, you almost ought to be like, wow, I'm surprised that happened. I feel bad for you. Um, oh, no, I can't believe you got a ticket, you know? And I remember Avery getting this ticket, and um, instead of blowing up, I said, what are you going to do, you know? uh, and, and, and what's it say on the ticket to do? And, and so just walking through that, we got to go to court, you know, and I went with her to court, you know, I was there standing beside her and supporting her. Then she gets the $120 bill in the driver's ed class she has to take. And I'm like, wow, you're gonna have to do some babysitting or how are you gonna pay this bill? You know? So I think how you respond in kindness, a lot of times to your kids makes a huge difference. And, you know, just think about that, you know, And giving grace out when your kids um, mess up, you know? I mean, you think about what Christ did for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and being able to apply that kindness principle.
2: The next one is love does not envy, it does not boast, and it's not proud. And, of course, we would say we want all of our kids to feel good about themselves, but also they need to be thankful to God for what he's blessed them with. And I do think it's important for us not to compare our kids siblings to each other or to other peers. Um, I think that that's really harmful, actually. And uh, once again, we want their identity to be in the Lord and um, not in what they do.
0: And then let's look at the next one. Um, I think this is one of the keys. When it says in 1 Corinthians 13 about love does not dishonor others, and I think one of the key foundations in your home is a center of honor in all the relationships in your home. It is so important to build a a kind of a culture of mutual respect in your home. So you don't tolerate dishonor, you don't tolerate disrespect. And a lot of that is how you, especially parents, um, honor each other and how I honor Jill in front of my kids. Again, kids are gonna look at behavior rather than what you say. And when you honor someone and you honor your honor in the family, it's, it's superior to obedience because when there is no honor, there is a bunch of disobedience, you know. And obedience can be the least common denominator, but where, where can that go? I mean, honor really demands us to put others ahead of ourselves. That's why Paul said, honor one another above all people. So, you know, build that honor and rhythm into your house. So think about how you do that. And I, I don't think I was really great at it, um, but I know, you know, in front of my girls, I would always, you know, try to get up, help with the dishes, help. I mean, we're having people over, help run the sweeper, do things like that. You know, if they made a comment about Jill that was dishonoring, you can't let that go, you know, and you have to, to to address that issue if they don't honor her.
2: Um, I loved, again, Pastor Stanley and his wife. They had this little thing in their house that I wish that we had had in our house. It would have been fun. Yeah. Was um, his wife would, I mean, I'm sorry. His children had to stand around the table until his wife would get to her chair. She would sit first, and then the children would sit down.
0: And they told a funny story that. in that... You know, when they started becoming older, the kids would have friends over to dinner, and all the kids would say, hey, dinner's ready. The kids would all sit down, and all of, all of their kids would be standing like this, and they're saying, what, what, what's going on? And they said, well, we all don't sit down until mama sits down. You know, and it's little things like that that how do you create that rhythm or that atmosphere of honor in your home? Little things like that make a huge difference.
2: So our tone really does speak volumes to each other. And again, our, our kids pick up on that.
0: So let's talk a little bit about discipline. We're about out of time and we'll have to carry this over uh, to next week. But if you choose kindness and honor as foundation in, in your home, like I said, any dishonesty, disrespect, and disobedience, you have to respond to it. You know, you can't ignore it because what is rewarded or ignored is repeated so um, for the discipline to be effective, the discipline has to deal with the broken relationship. When my girls um, would say something disrespectful or dishonor Jill, it affected their relationship with Jill. And the best thing from a discipline standpoint is to want to restore that relationship. And many times, I know for us, that wasn't our goal with discipline. A lot of times, you know, we want to go through, you know, do the punishment Um, you know, and just maybe yell and and scream and so forth, but that really didn't get us anywhere, you know? So it's so important, you know, your goal is to teach them responsibility. And so, you know, I think this is a good quote from Tim
2: Kimmel. Yeah, teaching your children to be sin confessors and sin repenters, not sin avoiders and sin concealers. And teaching them how to rebound from sin, because we all are sinners, and we've all, you know, if we ask Christ to forgive us, he says that he forgives it from the east to the west. And do we want our kids confessing things to their peers, or do we want them sharing those things with us? And um, I had a defining moment with my parents. It sounds silly, but actually it was a really big moment for me. We had, um, in our house, we weren't allowed to put nail polish on, except in the kitchen with a paper towel under our, our nails. And this one time, I had red nail polish, and I was in the dining room on the furniture, and this red nail polish went all over the place. And I was trying to to get it up quickly, and then all of a sudden, I knew I couldn't. And I said, "Mom, Dad," and they come in, and they they helped clean it up with me. And I thought, "Oh, I'm just going to get in huge trouble. You know, I'm not allowed to do this." And my dad put his arm around me and he said, "You know what, Jill?" He said, um, I, "You're not going to. I'm not going to discipline you for this because you let us know." And so we were able to to get this cleaned up. And I thought, you know, bringing we want our kids to bring us to We want our kids to bring us in on their things, to confess their things and not to conceal it. And we, the same way with us with with God, you know, God doesn't want us to, he wants us to confess and to have that freedom with him.
0: And I think when you think about restoring a relationship, we heard something good, which we, again, wish we would have done. But a lot of times, um, you know, you'll pull, like we pour girls to say, hey, Alyssa, tell Avery you're sorry. Um, She pulled her hair and said, say you're sorry. Um, We heard a good concept of, um, have your kids learn to apologize in complete sentences. In other words, add on, make sure they say, Alyssa, I'm sorry, I pulled your hair. And then what they would do to restore that relationship. Is there anything I can do, you know, to make that up for you? Somebody just mentioned uh, in the first service they did with their kids to restore the relationships. As any times they were fighting, they would have to face each other then and say, what, do you, what are the three things you love about your brother or sister? You know, again, the concept being, don't, you know, you're not just there to punish and move on. It takes a lot more time, but in the long run, it really teaches your child, you know, to restore that relationship. And that's what you want, again, is paramount in your home.
2: Yes, and I think our own personal stories, I mean, we're all human, we've all done things wrong. I mean, we're all sinners. And so to act perfect and like that we're not human and when our kids do something that we've never done, you know, I think that, that that's wrong. It's good for us, I think, to have our own stories about our own lives that we can share. And so I asked Avery if I could share this. She's a director at a Chick-fil-A, and a lot of the directors have to order produce. And it was very, very busy the other week, and she forgot to order produce on the day it was due, and she had to run around and, and get produce for the store. And so she came home, and she said it was a really rough day, and, and she was sad that she had forgotten that. But I had a story of when I first started teaching teaching School, and it was like the second month of teaching, and I was taking a personal day, and I forgot to call for a substitute teacher, and that was bad. Oh, you teachers out there, are, oh, I know. And so, I she felt a little better, I think, that I shared, you know, my adult issue, you know, a problem that I wasn't perfect either.
0: And so, I think when you think about disciplining your child again. Um, look at trying to, um, again, go for the long term and be able to restore that relationship. Um, We're about out of time and we still have a lot to do. So we did this first service too. So um, next week, um, you know, I think what's important when you think about honoring and grace, um, when you think about Um, how Christ modeled um, love and grace to us, we should be trying to to bestow that grace and love on our kids, and especially in our home. So next week, we're going to finish up going through 1 Corinthians 13 and then go through some other things related to how do you spiritually develop your child? How do you disciple your child? And especially, it starts with you from your own, again, your behavior this this quote is a key for this whole two-week time. Your behavior as a parent, not your words or advice, will determine whether or not your children will want to be like you or even with you in the future. So we'll talk a lot about that, how your behavior is, especially from a spiritual standpoint. But um, let, let's, let me have a word of prayer, and then we have one more thing to do before the service closes, all right? Let's bow in prayer. Father God, we thank you... Um, that you gave us a great example, that you said to love others as I have loved you. And when we look at how you loved, when we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we read how you, what you did and said uh, to show us how to tru- truly love people, and we think and apply that love um, to our houses, to our homes, and how we should love our children, Lord. It's a big task in the culture that we live in today. But Lord, you've given us a model how to, to love in all relationships, and especially with our kids. So I just want to just pray that we can think through some of the things, think, again, about how our behavior impacts our kids more than what we could say, and think about what are we modeling in front of them, and how can we can be more Christ-like in everything we do. And We just thank you for our time together in Jesus name. Amen.